Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code podcast15. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. People are willing to be brave when they admit their smallness within the enormity of the world. And the best way to understand our smallness is to leave our comfort zones and start exploring one foot in front of the other. That's from Tish Oxenreiter, the founder of The Art of Simple, and our guest today. It's Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Hello, everyone. Sarah is enjoying a well-deserved vacation from the podcast and some time away with her boys while they're on spring break. So never fear. We recorded a discussion on global citizenship with Tish Oxenreiter before Sarah took off. Tish is one of Sarah's kind of personal heroes. If she were here, I know she would tell you about the time that she met Tish in person and cried because she was so excited. 
Tish is the founder of The Art of Simple. She has a podcast, The Simple Show. She has several books. We'll link up all of this in our show notes. Tish is very inspiring. She really prioritizes what matters to her and her family, and she shares their journey in really vulnerable and wonderful ways. Her blog is a smart and interesting and really kind of captivating look at an unusual family, and and I unusual with true admiration. So I hope that you will take some time to get to know Tish if you don't already. The discussion that we had with her was about global citizenship. And as we were preparing to talk, that felt like a very broad topic. And it was. But it also feels timely to me because under the Trump administration, I think the world is shrinking in ways that are both healthy and quite frightening. And Tish has an approach based on the time that she lived overseas and the year that she spent with her family traveling the world, which you'll hear more about in this discussion, that I think helps us all consider how we ourselves can cultivate a healthier attitude toward global citizenship and also share that attitude with children without getting overwhelmed. Enjoy our discussion with Tish Oxenreiter. Well, guys, this is really, really fun to have you on. Um, I love pantsuit politics, by the way. So we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, I'm, I've been doing this podcast, The Simple Show, sort of for five years. And I say sort of because I had another show before that. And that was a whole different iteration. And so I revamped it whenever we came back from our year of travels. And now I do this weekly show and we talk about books, travel, life at home, because those are my three favorite things. But man, those are broad topics. So, you know, we cover kind of almost any and everything, really. And um, really, it's kind of my favorite thing I do. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about you guys. Like, this is a new show, but it's exploded out of nowhere. How did y'all get started? Well, before we start, Tish, I want you to tell our listeners about um, your, can you give them like a few minutes on your year of travel and how old your kids were? Yeah, sure. I kind of just brushed through that, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, by the way. So uh, for the 2014-15 school year, so not too long ago when we're recording this, my family and I traveled around the world. And my kids, when we started, were nine, six, and four. And my husband and I had jobs where we could take anywhere you know so we thought while we have this freedom and flexibility let's take advantage of this and just backpack and we had been planning this for quite a while several years beforehand so this idea wasn't out of the blue and it took a long time to prepare but we we started one you know in September we headed to China and we went westbound in one direction and it was fantastic and amazing and you know, we learn more than we ever thought we could. And um, the after effects are still happening. You know, as a family, we're still benefiting from that year, even though it was hard. And there's a lot of hard stuff um, that we dealt with. So yeah, that's, that's the two cent version that I can get into later more if we want. Yeah, and I definitely, this is Sarah, by the way, uh, from Pantsy Politics. And I definitely followed along. I have been a long time fan of Tish when she was the simple mom way back in the day. Before way back, became, yeah. Way back in the, when the way back machine. Um, and also met her once and cried. But we don't, we can either <laughs> tell that story later or not. It's fine. My Our listeners are super well acquainted with my easy tears. Yeah, so, right. Um, but I've always loved your approach to life and motherhood and family. And I'm so excited to have this conversation i do apologize that there are no goats in the background that was some serious atmosphere oh, yeah. that episode with esther emery that was 
with a yurt. A yurt. I know. That was super cool. Like, I, I kind of like it when there's background noise in podcasts because then it's like, oh, these are just real people, you know, like I don't have any goats. Beth, do you have any goats hanging around? I do not have goats. I do have a dog that likes to get involved occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> Our dog does too. I've had my kids walk right on in to recording sometimes and it's like, do I go with this and make this like, yeah, the this guy is my... The PC. Remember he just with the, with the guy and exactly. he was in it. That was hilarious. Oh, okay. That's a whole thing. Like I, I loved that slash part of me thought what's the big deal like this is my life all the time except that I'm not on the BBC and this happens (laughs) you know but it's like yeah that's parenting and working from home absolutely absolutely Uh uh-huh okay so so, yeah tell me a little bit about you guys like well first of all back up have y'all known each other for a super long time we have we were sorority sisters you were okay maybe I didn't hear have you talked about this on your your show sometime a little bit and well I just announced on our show that I went and re-indexed and did some things and switched some things and some feeds and some you know machinations Mm -hmm. and put our entire archive back so you can go back and hear our premiere episode where we sound adorable can I just say first episode (laughs) are always cringeworthy aren't they yeah okay so Beth You've known Sarah for a long time. Yes. So we were sorority sisters in college, and then we both kind of went off on our separate journeys to law schools, but different parts of the country. And then we reconnected through Sarah's blog. So we were Facebook friends, and I always loved Sarah's posts and loved being able to keep up with her family and her life that way. And it was kind of tempting to me to be a blogger, but I had a pretty demanding job at the time. So I would email Sarah like, hey, I just wrote this thing in case you want to share it. And if not, that's fine, too. And that's sort of the genesis of pantsuit politics are sharing some thoughts on Sarah's blog and the two of us going back and forth a little bit. Because Beth wrote this really great article called Nuance in which she said, like, do we have are, are our only emotions available to us online about politics, either outrage or apathy? Like, can we find a little space for something in between? And it was really great. It was really well received and everybody loved it. And I had been kicking around this idea for a podcast about women in politics. And I had this great name, Pantsy Politics. And I thought maybe I would do interviews and I did one and I didn't really like it. And so I thought, oh, maybe Beth and I could do a a podcast because I knew that she was conservative and I'm progressive and I thought well that would be really cool because we could be oh I don't know mix it up and be respectful and not insult each other so we did a phone call I said let's let's just try it if you're open to it and we'll just talk on the phone and see how it goes and like an hour and a half into the phone call I said we're not record we're not talking on the phone unless we're recording it anymore because this was awesome yeah yeah I mean it's such a cool concept you guys like first of all I love that you're friends first this wasn't like a you know I'm looking for a conservative co-host or something (laughs) so you already knew each other and I think that that totally helps lay the the framework of how the flow of y'all's conversations go because you can tell you respect you you can tell you just like each other as people um and man what a time to do this show (laughs) yeah well we started in November 2015 and you know, would like watch debate parties. And we it's that's the painful part to go back and listen to where we're like, oh, we will begrudgingly talk about Donald Trump, but he won't be around much longer. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that part's a little painful to listen to. But I I think it's taken a long time to realize just how strong our chemistry is. And, um, you know, not that I didn't not that that I didn't, you know, sort of understand what a great relationship we had. But to me, it's always just me talking to Beth. And it took me a long time to understand, like, other people can't just sit down and talk politics like that. And what we 
like the way we talk and our different personalities and the way they um, complement each other is sort of rare. And Tish, for our listeners, can you talk a little bit about your format and co-host and kind of the relationships that have developed for you when you are sitting down and talking? Because it is a really unique experience, I think, doing a podcast with other people. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is I, I, you know, originally said that I've been podcasting forever since like the dawn of time in the internet years anyway. And so it's had a lot of different evolutions. And I I don't even have those early episodes available to the general public because they're so cringeworthy. I feel like I can look back and see only till just this past year, I have I understood and been cool with how I function best. Like uh, Sarah, I think it was you who said something about like you had an interview and it was you just didn't like it. I am learning that I really like the co-host thing. I like diving deeper into ongoing conversations with the same people. And so last fall, so this is fall 2016, I completely changed our format. And I'd been doing the one-off interview style for quite a while. I had a number of recurring guests like Megan Teets, who now does Sort of Awesome. She was on my show quite a bit. But I wanted the same people. So I recruited three of my friends that I knew had things to say. (laughs) And the thing, you know, I, I got to thinking, what do I like talking about just offline? Like, what are my favorite things to dish on? And I realized it was books, travel, and just life at home, which is super broad and can be a million different things from parenting to, you know, the practical stuff. And then I thought about who I thought had something to say about that and just asked if they wanted to join me for a season. So right now we don't know if it's going to be new co-hosts in next fall or if we're just going to keep on going. I'm loving it right now where we have three co-hosts and then an empty Wednesday, you know, we publish on Wednesdays, a fourth Wednesday where I just have a new guest like you guys. Um, So we'll just see if this keeps working this way, but I'm loving it. I think it's so much fun. It gives me a good excuse to just talk to people, you know? Yeah. I love that idea of they had something to say. And I think that's probably what, you know, how I feel about Beth is that I always, even if we don't agree and I think our listeners feel the same way, like I want to hear what she thinks about it. And that's what the premise of the show is built on. And I think podcasting in a lot of ways just allows that space. Like you're not, it's not a blog post and it's not an article and it's not a book where you're trying to make a point, right? It allows for just conversation. It allows for us to continue to explore ideas instead of trying to um, argue a point. And I think that there, that is particularly missing in the political sphere. And that's what we found. That's why we started the podcast, because I was finding in my own life um, that women, my friends and my sort of mommy co-workers and all these people like you could I, I had the sense that like they they wanted to talk about this, but they were intimidated by the subject area or they hated the way it became sort of team sports is how we always describe it. And they wanted um, a space to explore these ideas with an open mind and an open heart. And that's what we are really trying to provide because it is important and these things do affect our lives. And we do have opinions on them, even if we they're not um, something we want to just beat somebody over the head with. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make them any less important. You know, I was just talking to Annie Downs, who does a podcast. I was on her show and we were talking. I told her the story about my dad recently was telling me how he's in his 60s, how surprised he is about the research or the interest in podcasts. He thinks it's kind of funny because to him, well, first of all, he's also the type of guy who doesn't understand why people text instead of call. 
Like, (laughs) you know, which of course I never talk on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. And so he just thinks that's hilarious because he thinks we're going back in technology. He's like, instead of, you know, we have the ability to call each other from all over the world. Instead, let's send a digital telegram. I don't get it. (laughs) And so to him, he thinks podcasts is like going back. We have TV and we have this ability to create all this great material. Why are all these kids suddenly into like radio Radio. shows (laughs) and I was talking to Annie about this and she had a great point I think it's it's sort of the same idea of how much so much of us crave kind of a slower simpler way of life where we Mm -hmm. know where our food comes from and we enjoy more the experience of cooking and we want to live in a neighborhood where we know our neighbors there's something about it that kind of pulls us back to okay what does it mean to just have a good conversation and to listen to to people who are thoughtful and aren't yelling at each other in the comments section. You know what I mean? I think well, it's like the spot- magic of getting a letter versus an email. That's what podcasting mm-hmm. is for me. You know, I can turn on the TV and it's just going, going, going. But a podcast feels so special and intimate in the in all of that noise. And I feel mm-hmm. like we have such a relationship with our listeners. You know, even the people who listen who we may get an email from one time or something, there's such a connection in this medium, maybe because of that simplicity that you're talking about. Well, Agreed. despite my ability and constant sort of speeding, I, I'm the I'm the awful person who sometimes listens to podcasts at twice the speed. It depends on the podcast, but I have I am known to speed them up. There yeah. is even if you do that though, you you can't in an era in an era of sort of constant distraction and short attention spans. You still have to listen. You can't skim a podcast, right? Like you still have to take it word for word and not jump ahead. And I think that's also why I've been reading more than reading books more than reading on the internet, which I did for several years. And I think that that's, you know, it's, you have to, you don't have a choice to skim it. You don't have a choice to sort of speed past it. And when we, Beth and I went to podcast movement, which is a um, podcast conference and Alex Bloomberg, the guy who started, um, um, Oh, it's Gimlet Media and has all mm-hmm. the, the the podcasts of This American Life um, former producer. And he shared this really fascinating um, study where they they gave people they sort of interwove lies into these news articles and then measured people's capacity to spot the lie. And Beth, which uh, radio was definitely the highest on which they could spot, they spotted the lie with most accuracy on radio. And then hmm. was it TV? And then was it articles, Beth? Or was that, it articles, then TV? I no, it was TV it, was last, wasn't it? I think TV was last. I'm not positive, but yeah, I it think was very right. compelling information, you know, about how when you just hear a voice, you connect with it in a different way than other things. For sure. For sure. And you guys have such a great not only chemistry, but a concept, because I have to tell you, as a listener of Pantsuit Politics, I like I told you at first that I was a little bit nervous to do this with you guys because I didn't want you to spring a question about Rex Tillerson on me or something. Like, <laughs> okay, I don't know. So that, that means we've come to the part where we're going to have the quiz. Are you ready? <laughs> no. Oh <my> gosh, no. <laughs> I'm going to just totally embarrass myself. I know. But that's what I'm so interested in is you guys. It's not like you tell me what to think at all because I, I am able to have my own opinions. But you guys invite me into the conversation to unpack things that I've been reading and to think through them with nuance and, um, and intelligence. And so you guys just blow me away with your level of um, knowledge on current events. So I have to ask, like, how do you guys keep up with it without losing your minds? Is there, do you have a method of taking in the news on a regular basis? 
Beth, you start because you take it in a little differently than I do. I do. I try to get my news from a lot of different sources. So my Twitter timeline for me is really like a curated place to get good information. And I follow the whole political spectrum. And then when I'm taking in something like television, I try to go to the hard left. So I'm the more conservative voice on our show. Although people often call me like a closet liberal or something because I'm not (laughs) a freedom caucus type girl. um, And I'm not a Trump supporter. But so I watch a lot of MSNBC because I want to hear the other perspective. And then I try to find more neutral radio voices. So I just try to take in a a balanced news diet. And then there's something about doing the podcast. I think before the podcast, I tried to consume news with um, some objectivity and really being a good consumer of information. But now that we do it, I feel sort of an extra responsibility to really understand what's happening and understand it in greater context. So for me, even the process of creating our primer episodes where we just do an objective, just the facts here's what you need to notice at the table for an opinion conversation. That really helps me focus in. And I think it's almost harder to understand something and try to explain it in a simple and, you know, short way than to write like a white paper on it. So it's a real challenge to create the content in a digestible way. Uh, But forming the habit of doing that has been really enriching for me. And so yeah, go ahead. No, it just it reminds me of this idea of you don't know what you know until you write it. Like as a writer, personally, Mm -hmm. the way I figure out what I think about something is to write. So it kind of almost sounds like that. Like you guys are figuring it out as you go in a way. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And have changed opinions several times over the course of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I did. I don't do as many primers and as Beth and that I've done one, um, but I did it on welfare and I thought I understood what about welfare and I thought I understood why I felt about the way I did about the welfare system in the United States. And I was a completely wrong and have really sort of changed my opinions on the system since doing the primer. I think that, you know, for me, I never, ever, ever watched TV really actually at all. I don't watch much TV at all anymore, but um, unless Daniel Tiger counts, but <laughs> I don't. Um, so I don't watch any cable news at all. And then I take in a lot of news podcasts. I take in a lot of um, news through my social media feeds who I follow. And then I have the, you know, I read the New York times and the Washington post and also my own local paper every day, which is a really interesting um, filter through which to view sort of the top stories. What does New York times think is important? How does the Paducah sun rank that story? It's always, all, all, always a fascinating experiment. Um, but so that's where I, I read most of mine and either listen to um, NPR in the car or take it in through podcast. I don't I don't listen to a lot of music. I kind of wish I listened to more music unless it's Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, so we take it in very differently. But, I, you know, part of it is I always tell people like it's not it's not a character flaw to not be obsessed with politics and not to understand what's going on every second. Like, that's just what I'm interested in. Arguably, like, the business page affects my life um, just as much. And I don't follow that because stocks and that stuff, it just, it goes right over my head and I don't care about it. Um, Right. So it's just what I've always been interested in. And once you sort of, if you follow it for a long time and you start to figure out sort of the, Uh, shorthand and acronyms and, you know, the stories 
um, get recycled and mm-hmm. um, you sort of get, you, you understand the main players and how it, how it changes and, sure. and, and doesn't, and doesn't change and stays the same. And so it gets easier as you, yeah. I mean, the more you do it probably, right? Absolutely. Or faster maybe. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. Tish, I feel like part of the reason that what we're doing is different is because it's almost taking a page 
from the things that you do so beautifully on your show. I love listening to you because I don't feel like anyone's trying to necessarily um, convince me of anything or teach me something or say, you know, everyone should do these things with your children or with your home. It's just this open, um, curious way of connecting with other people. And I think that in the political space, we're just not used to that at all, right? Because no one who is a pundit would say, yeah, you know, I learn more all the time. And sometimes I change my mind. Like, they're sort of, they're sort of out there actively doing the opposite. It's just I've got to convince myself and everyone else of my position constantly. And that's not our goal. Yeah, because we're not professional pundits and because we're not party hacks that have to sort of toe the party line, it just allows us a lot of freedom to um, say we're wrong or say we don't understand things and that just there's no space for that sort of in the cable news or professional political podcast space. What I'm interested in is, you know, you talk so much about being a global citizen and I'm interested after your year of travel, how that affected the way you saw the news. We so often just look as Americans look at the news through an American filter and only pay attention to sort of us central stories. And Mm -hmm. I I would love to hear how that's changed for you. Yeah. You know, back when Kyle and I, we met in Kosovo and this was right after Slobodan Milosevic and the whole thing with Serbia and the genocide. And, and so we were there for the aftermath of the war and we're helping, helping rebuild basically is in a nutshell. And what was interesting was I started realizing how biased our news or maybe not so biased, but how ethnocentric our news Mm -hmm. in the U S was because Nobody knew what turned out to be super fascinating about some of the politics happening in Eastern Europe or even in Europe as a whole, yet they would ask about all sorts of things that I had no clue was happening, yet they were acting as though this was right in front of my face. So somebody would Mm. ask me about some kind of explosion or terror attack or whatever, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And it turned out it happened somewhere in Eastern Europe, but it was nowhere near me. And it was kind of like the equivalent of someone asking you and you live in, you know, LA about something that happened in New York and are you okay? You know? And and so to me, it was my first introduction to how we see what we want to see. And sometimes the news wants us to see a certain thing or just wants to tell a story. And Mm -hmm. so when I was there, I started paying a little more attention to the global news scene by like reading BBC or reading Al Jazeera these other sources, which I'm not saying they don't have a bias, but they're not American based. And so they taught me a little bit of how to see it through a more global perspective. And, you know, America for all its positives, one of our, I think our downside is because we're so big and because we're so wealthy, we act like we're the center of the universe. Mm. And, and so we forget that India has its own stuff that, you know, I mean, we pay attention to things that we care, care about, like maybe Brexit, yeah. but we just want to know the basics and then get back to our own stuff. And so to me, once we started traveling, and, and this was even exacerbated when we lived in Turkey for three years, but when we started traveling, it was such a reminder to me that try as much as we don't want, we are major game players in the world, the U.S., for good or for bad. And yet we don't even think about how we affect 
other people's cultures, economies, worldviews. And so we were asked a lot about politics, but not in the way, not in like the details, a little bit more of like, you know, Obama, because this was when he was still in office, Obama and I don't know, his particular something that happened and how it's affecting, you know, them in Southeast Asia. And it's like, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what you're <laughs> talking about. And so to me, it was just a reminder of like, I want to be a good global citizen. You know, I don't want to be so narrow minded about me being an American. And I'm, I'm, I love being an American, yet we affect the rest of the world, you know, and so we need to stay informed without overdoing it or without just feeling so overwhelmed that we can't possibly, you know, I don't know, take it all in without losing our minds. Yet, I don't know, there's just something that changes your own perspective and your own opinion on things when you realize that we actually affect the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I still read BBC. I still read Al Jazeera. But I read, do y'all read All Sides? com. Do you keep up yes. with that at all? We mm-hmm. love all sides. We've had the okay. founder on. Oh, you have. Well, there you go. I think it's a fantastic resource. They also filter BBC, and I think that's really helpful. And they're usually pretty centric, I think. And um, so I don't know. To me, it just is like, okay, what does what do the Brits think about fill in the blank, whatever political issue just happened in the U.S. Because they'll report on it, obviously. And um, what what is the British take on their own stuff, like Brexit? You know, instead of my American biased you know, whatever. So that, those are kind of small things I do, but I'm also super interested in um, how we can, I don't know, the bigger picture is I want my kids to be good global citizens, you know, as a mom. So I, I think it's really important to foster that through a lot of just things that aren't necessarily about the news. It's a lot more about like, okay, let's get to the 101 of how do we care about the world? You know, Mm. just because you need to start with that idea. Like, instead of let me, how do I talk to my kids about Ugandan politics? (laughs) You know, (laughs) the 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 place I need to start is how do I communicate to my kids that Africa matters? You know, that Africa it it, it's important just in its own right of existence. So, Mm. I don't know. What do you? I'm I'm super curious because you guys are both moms. How do you talk to your kids about the news is that even a thing for y'all oh it's a big thing in my house yes okay because i need i need some help in that i want to know a little bit about that from y'all well i think you're so right that the news isn't the only forum for that we try to talk to so i have a six-year-old jane and then i have a 21 month old so we're not there with her yet but with jane we really spend a lot of time talking about our community if someone's trash is blown over in the street we stop and pick it up together and talk about why we're doing that right so if i want her to care about africa i have to first help her care about something beyond her bedroom and we we try to have that dialogue going all the time but then on global stuff i absolutely have jane watch the news with me sometimes in the car we'll listen to news instead of the frozen soundtrack or kids bop or whatever and i try to in a really accessible way explain to her what's going on we take her to political events she went to a legislative forum with me i think she wanted to die of boredom but she took away (laughs) a few things like we came home and she explained to her dad what we had heard about bike laws and she wrapped her mind around like what what's happening with bikers sharing the road with cars and she was able to articulate that and so 
I don't know that we're ever going to feel like we've, we've arrived on some magic formula, but I do think, I don't ever try to protect her from the news. We try to discuss it. And I think she knows that I enjoy it and care about it. And so it's kind of a bonding thing for us to discuss current events too. I, I know Sarah, you talk with Griffin and Amos all the time as well. Well, and I think that it's, 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 um, you know, you have to take a, a big view and a little view. And I think if you are teaching your kids that they are the center of the universe, then you're going to have a heck of a time teaching them Africa matters. So, right. I think it's, it's exactly what Beth, um, talks about. I mean, if your philosophy is, um, as parents and parenting generally that to, you know, um, make your children good neighbors and good friends and good um, family members that contribute and are empathetic and care about people outside themselves. And you're already halfway there, um, over halfway there, arguably. And so, you know, we do the same thing in my family. We talk about um, the community of Paducah is very important to us. And we talk about that a lot. And also because I um, am a city commissioner. So I ran for office last year in 2000. Um, 16 and was elected uh, as a city commissioner for my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky. And so we talked a lot about why I was doing that and why it was important to me to get back to this place. And my kids went with me as I knocked on doors, much to their chagrin, and they (laughs) um, go with me to events and they understand why I leave at night and a lot of times for events and that, you know, everything we make sacrifices in our family because mommy thinks that this is important to help other people in our community. And so, I mean, I think that it's those choices. And then, you know, we do talk about a politics a lot and kids talk about politics a lot, whether you're talking to them about it or not. My kids at their elementary school, it, Donald Trump is a constant topic of conversation and they come home singing YouTube videos about building walls and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're definitely paying attention. And, I am just open and honest with my kids about um, why I feel the way they feel. I don't, I guess I don't ever try to build trepidation into the conversation. I don't ever make it sound like that's something they shouldn't be asking me about or it's this big, scary topic. I'm there, you know, if they, you know, even as much as one, uh, one time my son came home and asked about abortion and we had about a five sentence exchange and then we moved on because I don't think there's, um, you know, they're big topics. And I think if you're going to introduce and talk to your kids about them, you have to balance it with a little bit uh, of um, perspective in the in the, the manner in which you gauge in it. Does that make sense? Like the topic is so big, it doesn't have to be a big deal to engage in it. Like it, it balances out the heaviness of those subject matters if you can sort of just tackle them in an easy and light way throughout your day, which is how I treat a lot of big things um, when I talk to my kids about them. I don't, you know, we don't sit down and have big, um, deep conversations about um, their questions about death or sex. We just, we answer, we answer the questions and if they're ready to move on, we move on. How so, old are your kids, Sarah? My, I have three boys. My oldest um, is seven going on 40. He's a very serious kid. Um, <laughs> my middle is five and he is not a very serious kid. And then my youngest is two. Okay. So little guys, I mean, little not, guys, yeah. but we talk about stuff, you know, they, they, they talk about stuff with their friends and, um, so, and they know that there's nothing they can't answer, ask me, and there's nothing they're going to get in trouble for asking me. And, um, you know, that's how my mom dealt, dealt with questions 
big and small is like, hey, yeah, questions are always okay. And maybe I'll answer or maybe I'll say, hey, we're, we're not going to talk about that. That's not appropriate or whatever. But with politics, you know, because I'm a politician, it's sort of ever present. And um, they know the podcast is about politics. And so we, we it's sort of um, something we that just kind of lives among us. And we we talk about it regularly. Yeah, I have found as a parent that whole ask what they or answer what they are asking is just good baseline advice. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that and then totally botching that when my daughter was about six and she saw something in the bathroom. She saw, I think it was a tampon and she asked <laughs> what it was and I gave way too much information and yeah. she started crying and oh. then I realized, oh, you didn't need to know all that. Oh. <laughs> and so that to me was like life lesson 101. Just Oh yeah. I mean, I remember the first time yeah. Griffin asked me about sex he asked where babies come from and I just was like super I mean in five seconds and my husband looked at me and like we're gonna do this now and I was like yep and then like I just said like the daddy puts a seed in the mommy when they have sex and they have a baby blah 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 like super sort of like basic and moved on and then like a year later he was like he said something about sex and I said do you want to know what that is and he said no like he didn't even remember the conversation you know what I mean like (laughs) I was stressing but he had no memory of this exchange at all right Right. And I think laying this groundwork of you can ask me anything is going to, from what I've heard from my friends who have kids out of the house now, that will reap benefits for decades because, you know, um, my friend Robin Dance, who's one of my writers, she actually told her kids, you can always ask me anything. And she also said, no matter what you hear from your peers, know that I probably know more than they do. So if you need to verify something, you can always ask me. And so she said that meant we had some kind of uncomfortable, awkward conversations, but it was better than them just left hearing it from their peers or just wondering. And I can see that with politics too, you know, oh, because my my kids uh, during the election, what, my son came home saying, you know, I hope people don't vote for Trump because he's planning to start World War Three if he's president. And I, I had to say like, okay, wait, where did you hear that? And it turns out some kids said that at school. And so we had to backtrack and explain like, no, that's not accurate. And, you know, and, and so I don't know, just something about that sort of parenting style, that fostering of, we can always talk about anything will really benefit later, you know? Yep. And I think the tone is what they remember so much more than the words too. So being mm-hmm. calm about everything, I hope that I'm raising a child who will keep, will, you know, not be at an 11 about everything all the time because we have (laughs) these discussions about hard topics, but very calmly. And I always try to say, you know, we we took Jane with us to see Rand Paul speak. And so she was asking us questions about Rand Paul. And we said, well, you know, mom and dad like Rand Paul because he thinks that most of us should make decisions on our own and do what's right for our families and and kind of stay there at the individual level. But other people disagree with that. And we talk about it like they're not bad people. They just think differently about this than we do. And I think she'll remember that so much more, I hope, than any, you know, specific policy thing or the fact that often I'll say, I don't know, let's look that up together. And, you know, that we can be constantly curious about things. Man, that is a good reminder, because when I think back to my childhood realizing how much of my initial politics, like, you know, when I first became eligible to vote, were just based on whatever I heard at home. And, but even more than like the details of like Reagan's policies was a lot more of how it felt Mm -hmm. whenever 
the other side was talked about or something they disagreed with or something they agreed with. It was a lot more of the mood. And, and mm. I can only imagine in this uh, the climate now how much more important that is in our homes. Because like you guys said, there's such little nuance anymore out there. And I'd hate for my kids to think that's what politics is, you know? Well, absolutely. And it's, you know, I think about um, sort of the simplicity that you constantly kind of advocate and why I've loved your writing for so long. And I think those same lessons are applicable in politics. And I think that as in everything in life that can seem complex and overwhelming, whether it's parenting decisions or whether it is, um, you know, sort of the possessions that we're purchasing and bringing into our life, politics is the same. It is a um, exercise, a lot of times an emotion. People are not doing math when they're voting. They, we are all irrational creatures and emotional creatures, and it is a very complex mix of emotions. And that, you know, the ability to sort of reach within yourself and explore and be self-aware and be um, empathetic with others and with yourself as you work through these emotions is important in politics just as it is in other areas of our lives. And I think that my, you know, conversations with Beth they, the, the reason that um, I think that they appeal and m- most certainly why I just I love it on a personal level is because it gives me the space to do that to stay to just be a little vulnerable and be patient with myself and with other people and remember like these are big things and they do affect our lives but they're also very personal and emotional things that um, I can take a breath and sort of simplify and go back to my roots and my values and think through um carefully and with um care and grace and you know that is available to me and that's important to me and that um how i think and talk about politics is just another area that i can exercise those values right right i mean because there's very little in life that's black and white and Mm -hmm. you know my the topics that i tend to write about whether that's simple living or more like unconventional living is how i like to frame it better it has so much more to do with who you are and what your purpose in life is than a mm-hmm. bunch of to-do lists. Yep. And when I think of politics, exactly right. We we vote with our hearts. We think with our hearts. I think that that is how we should view the world and how we should, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm such a big believer in taking your kids internationally or across culturally more like it, because it's hard to get that nuance and hard to get that, um, this this is real people we're talking about. Whenever you're just reading a book, whenever you're watching the news, whenever you're look, even just looking at a map. I mean, I'm not. I I get that not everybody can travel around the world, and nor should they. But there's something about meeting a real person who really does live in that culture, and under just like we're not. You know, whenever I don't know about you guys, but whenever you hear about other cultures and how they view America, I just want to cringe. Like I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> we're not all blanket statement like that. Yeah. Um, it's the same whenever we're hearing about all these other cultures and what they're like. You know, not all Europeans are like this. Not all Africans are like this. And um, it's really good to experience that in person if you can. And it's good to experience that when you're young because you, because we're so much – our worldviews are still malleable. I mean, all all of ours are. But when you're a kid, you you have this ability to – to see things without all the junk that we accumulate as adults. And man, what a great way to foster this global citizenshipness to our kids. And I think that, and I heard- that does start really early and, and it's easy to embrace homogeneity 
um, just right out of the gate, if you aren't careful, because of really silly things. Like um, we had this whole discussion with Jane about Elf on the Shelf, and we're just not doing that in our house. And and so we've we've had to talk with her about like different families have different traditions, and she still believes in Santa. And so we talk about like Santa does something different in our house. Isn't that great? Like, isn't it wonderful that there's a different way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day over here versus over there? And isn't it great that some people celebrate Hanukkah? And I think talking about it that way instead of being weird about it on a really micro level then starts to lay the foundation for that broader global citizenship perspective later in life. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added ritual to my routine which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. 
Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Well, and I was watching this really great TED Talk, and I cannot remember the name of it, but I will try to remember it and find it and put it in our show notes, where he was doing, um, there was like this quiz about um, the global sort of state of the world. And the first question was, have deaths from natural disasters doubled, stayed the same, or cut in half in the last 20 years? Do either of you guys want to guess? I might have already given this quiz to Beth. Uh, See, there was a quiz after all, Tish. Ha! Right. <laughs> I'm going to say stayed the same. Okay, that's better than most. Most people guess doubled, but it's cut in half. Okay. And he ta- he does a few other where it's like things are actually getting better, but nobody believes that globally. Yeah. And he talks about how part of that is the news and that the story that is easy to tell is one with conflict and one with problems. And the story harder to tell is that things are getting better in a lot of ways. Um, and then he also talked about, and I'll never forget it, he said, you know, no matter where you were raised as a child, for the most part, unless you're, ch- you're you know, you really did live with like a, 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 you know, a tish and got to travel the world <laughs> for a year. I mean, wherever you grew up, you grew up in one spot. So even if that spot seems diverse to me, it wasn't diverse to you because you only grew up there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so it just by the, 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 the reality of growing up in a single spot means that you are going to see a finite um, way of existing, a less diverse way of existing. And so it really does take that conscious effort to push and go to uncomfortable places and either whether that's, you know, in thought or um, word and deed, as we say in the Episcopal Church, um, that, you know, that it is it, it is something that we all sort of have to find space to do. And I think probably for me, politics is just a way that the way I have chosen to push myself. That's what I like. That's the ideas that I like to explore. Those are the different perspectives that I like to think about. Um, That's the subject area that I like to push my brain in new and different directions. Um, But I love that idea that like, you know, we all start with a, with a finite perspective and it's sort of our responsibility. And I guess what I want for my kids more than anything is just, just the desire to do that. Like um, I can't, um, within my finite role as their mother achieve that. But I, what I hope I do instill in them is just the desire for that. And I think that's helpful just knowing the desire because I did not travel till I was, I mean, I first went overseas when I was 15, but really solidly travel overseas till I was out of college. And I I feel like I have a pretty decent global worldview. So it can happen even if you don't take your kids around the world when you're younger. And I definitely don't want people to ever think that, you know, I if you don't do that, you're a bad parent. I think there's so many great ways that we, you know, I, I love that you said that we have that finite perspective because I don't know if y'all have ever felt this, even stateside, if you leave your state, like I never feel more Texan than when I'm not oh, in Texas. Totally. You know? <laughs> totally. And I think and I think that's so true. We're just not aware of our surroundings. And there's a lot of great ways we can do that as kids. One way I love doing that is the books that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, we're big readers around here. And my friend, I don't know if you know Jamie Martin, but she wrote a really good book called Give Your Child the World. And it is a handbook on books. 
that expose your kids to different global cultures. So you can look it up and it's by age and it's by location. So if you want to find a really good book about, you know, I don't know, Southeast Asia, you can go and you can find, and it's all, it's not like atlases or encyclopedia type of books. It's like fiction. It's good storytelling, story-driven books. So that kind of thing is a great way. Yeah. That parents can really expose your kids to the world just from your own home. That's a great, I love that. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes, too, because I think that's that's much cheaper than plane tickets, you know, and um, <laughs> that and just doing things like trying different foods, talking about just different languages and customs, holidays, even having different music on. Like this morning, we were listening to my like one of our global playlists and we were listening to Kenyan music this morning before school because we're weird like that. And <laughs> And I just think subtle things like that, like you can keep it fun. It doesn't all have to be like about the news, you know, for kids. It can, I mean, I don't know, make the world interesting. So speaking of fun for our heels, we're going to adopt Tish's segment on your hot seat questions, right, Tish? Right. So anytime I have new people on the show, I ask them 10 hot seat questions and they're really difficult. So I hope um, you think through your <laughs> long and I love hard. quizzes. The only reason I keep trying to get us to do a quiz is because I am the quiz. I'm the one that's like, do we have homework? I love homework. Were you the kid that like yep. asked for more? Okay. I mean, my my law school nickname was Gunner because I was always like, ooh, ooh, me, ooh, ooh, over here. Can... Wow. So like you're the Hermione of law school? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Okay, well, then you'll love these because they're really hard. So number one, <laughs> and y'all both take turns. I want to hear from both of you. Morning person or night owl? Morning person. Uh, I'm a morning person. Okay, me too. Number two, how do you drink coffee? Oh, that's why I'm a morning. I was just about to say, that's why, well, who doesn't love the morning? Because it involves coffee. That's why the morning is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Right. So I only drink coffee in like the hot milkshake sense. I like it loaded <laughs> oh. up with, oh. with things. I'm going to work on this is I have two goals in life. And that is one to get Beth to cry on our podcast. Because <laughs> I always cry. and She never cries. And my number two goal is to get her to abandon those. That's hilarious. <laughs> because I, uh, Sarah, I'm totally with you about the coffee. I was literally thinking of that this morning. My favorite thing about the morning is that I get to drink coffee because I can't do it like after 2pm. It's not good for me. Oh, I can't um, either. I know. But I and that actually kind of makes me sad. Like, oh, it's past coffee time. I know. <laughs> All right. Number three, beach or mountains? Beach. Oh, do I have to pick? Yes. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I really, I am a, my husband loves it when I talk about this. I'm a fire sign. I'm a Leo. And so I have this thing that I have to be near water to balance myself. So I really do love the beach, but I'm also pale as all heck because I'm a redhead. And so the sun and I don't get along, although I have adopted swim pants and a swim long sleeve shirt. And that's really changed my life. So I guess I'll still go with the beach. There you go. Okay. See, I'm I'm a fan of a lake near the mountains, so I kind of cheat with that. Yeah, answer. there you go. There you so, go. I get it. All right, number four. What was your favorite thing to play as a child? I was hardcore about playing library as a child. Every book that I owned in my room had a number on it. I had this whole system of checking out my books. Um, and I had stamps. And I was so into school supplies. So um, I was best the librarian. <laughs> Love it. Um, I really loved the game of life. I was a big fan of that game growing up. I've always sort of been a perpetual grown up because I was an only child. So I really loved the idea of like housing and retirement and all the <laughs> big adult decisions. I was so into it. And I also I'm, had the the bride game where you got to play, play in your wedding as well, which is sort of embarrassing to admit. 
I'm kind of not surprised though. Like whenever you said you, your son was seven going on 40, part of me was thinking, I wonder if that's what Sarah was like to you. Absolutely. So. And I was always the kid getting in trouble for like wanting to be around the adults. My mom was like, go be with the kids. And I was like, but yes. I want to talk to the adults. Oh my gosh. My daughter, this, this is a whole, this is a rabbit trail, but my daughter's in that stage too, where she, a lot of our friends have younger kids. So she wants to join the adult conversation, which is great until I have to like start coding things. Cause it's like, well, we can't talk about this now in front of her. So I get it. And I, right. I'm 10 years older than all my cousins. So I was oh, like, there you go. Splitting the difference. It was tough. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one. What's on your nightstand right now? There are hairbrushes for both of my girls and lots of hair bows and um, pictures <laughs> that they have colored. <laughs> okay. I am currently reading two books. Lincoln and the Bardo is still on my nightstand, even though I just finished it. And it was out standing really and i'm keeping it there because i'm gonna let my husband read it before i have to return it to the library so good i cannot recommend it highly enough okay, um, i'm writing it down do it's so good um and then it's very different but it's very good and then i'm also my kindle's always on my nightstand along with i have one of those fancy light up clocks that give you the light gradually and so you don't have to wake up in the dark um and i'm reading the new jim crow oh yeah as well okay i'm not surprised either all right next one what smell do you love Mm. Can I do a weird one? Mm-hmm. Well, I like the smell. My probably just favorite, like generic smell, is chocolate chip cookies baking. That's like, oh god, that's what heaven smells like. Mm-hmm. But I really like musty air conditioning in cars. Is that weird? That is so weird. Yeah, I really like that smell. And I don't smell it a lot anymore. I don't know if it was like maybe it was just as I feel like I smelled it in several cars, like in high school sort of into college and I don't feel like I ever smell it anymore and I really like that smell so maybe it was just like a a decade of card like that came production and like they don't do it anymore but I never smell it much anymore it's kind of in the history of my podcast not one person has ever answered that so you win yes uh-huh. Okay, Beth, how about you? I like the smell of vegetables roasting. And I think it's because I feel like a grown up when I have vegetables yeah. roasting in the oven. You know, it's like, <laughs> I have my life together because this is happening. Well, did you ever read on Real Simple? They used to like tell people to like, just put an onion in that. If you're having a party, but you bought all the food, just put an onion in the oven. <laughs> and like fill your house with that smell. That's fantastic. Okay. Um, what's your favorite season? I love the spring. Um, I feel like the more the, the, the more I age, the more I appreciate the spring. And I always experience mm-hmm. it like I've never experienced this before. Look, these things are growing again. It's amazing. They came <laughs> back, you know, and it just it's very invigorating for me. I love that. Like, does this happen every time? I yes. can't believe it. <laughs> I really love. Can I, can I do like a fall winter? I just like the holiday season from like October through December. I like sure. that rush. I'm a person that likes have like having a lot going on. So I love that whole like dead sprint from like Halloween costumes through Christmas trees. I just really, I like the sort of focus on let's think about our year and the be grateful and <laughs> think, be with our family. I just, I love the whole, the whole schmaltzy aspect of that. And Beth, I'm curious, where are you? Like, where are you in the country? I live in Kentucky, right outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, so y'all are both in Kentucky, though. Yeah, so we get four good, distinct seasons. I actually read somewhere that Kentucky is the one place, I mean, the best place in the country to experience all four seasons. So that's cool. Really? I think that's probably true. I I totally buy that. Except for we didn't get a winter this year, which was sort of yucky, but a lot of people didn't. 
We That's definitely true. didn't. So we're going to have a brutal summer, which is all kinds of fun here. I don't want to think about the mosquitoes. It makes me want to cry. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Do you guys prefer e-readers or paper books? Paper books. Okay. Um, I really like, I think I'm probably slowly, fully coming into e-reader. I still do both depending on which I can get faster from the library. But I really like e-readers. I love a high, I love a good highlight. And then I like to go back and look at all my highlights and know that like my experience of reading that book is safely stored in the cloud on my Kindle highlights. Like I just dig that. <laughs> and I like how they, it like tallies up with Goodreads. So you can like mark it as currently read as you started and then review it at the end. And I know my, I'm like, ticking off my little books on my reading challenge like Mm -hmm. that sort of accomplishment minded organization aspect of the e-reader really appeals to me plus I like that I can always pull out my phone and read whatever I'm reading Sarah told me that I need to read more books and then I need to do that by just having a book whenever I would normally look at my phone and so I always look at Twitter and news articles while I'm drying my hair so now I have in my bathroom this giant biography of George H.W. Bush that is propped (laughs) up in the drawer like I have my drawer pulled out just enough to stack my book up so that I can read my book while I'm drying my hair and I think about you every morning now Sarah oh I love it I love it yeah, I've been sh- I've been slowly like I I went from reading about twelve books a year to now I'm up to forty and I'm like just slowly keep adding and adding and adding and I talk about a lot of my weekly emails and on podcasts and everybody's like, how do you read so much? And I was like, I just stopped doing anything else. Like I don't watch TV. I watch thirty minutes of Girls a week, and I try not to check Facebook and Twitter that much. And that's just every spare second I have. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to grow up and be Ann Bogle. It's I'm on my way. Right. Right. Honestly, that's the number one thing that is a deal break or what makes me a reader is just taking away. It's almost like I need that like a child. I need Facebook taken away. I took it off my phone and suddenly I started reading more. It's like, oh, that was it, you know? And so, right. Right. So I get it. And there's something like I love the feel of paper books. I love the smell. But there is something pretty great about e-readers for those reasons you said, because my favorite thing about honestly having an e-reader is because it's synced to the library. If it's like 9 p.m. at night and I want to check out a book, I just go that and I see if it's available. True. I click a button and I start reading it. And I yes, love that. That's such a good point. That's so true. Yep. And it's great for travel. So that's what I learned. My kids, both our readers have uh, Kindles, too. And that's I, I know that the whole screen thing with kids can be a little dicey, but man, I love Kindles for kids for that reason. That's so okay. okay, so if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Ooh. These are so hard. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Just because I left. So. Mm-hmm. What's that? What do you think, Beth? You go first. I I would like to go to Thailand, um, maybe because I have a friend who went and I obsessed about her pictures the whole time she was there. Um, I've spent some time in Europe and I've had the fortune to go to some like unconventional places in Europe. My choir sang in Tallinn, Estonia, for example. So I, I got to do some things that I wouldn't have come up with on my own. But Thailand, I think I would really enjoy. And to your point about kind of getting out of your own culture, Tish, you know, I, I feel like that would be a good place for me. Plus, I haven't ever eaten Thai food that I don't like. Right. I was going to say, you can't beat it for the food alone. Like the whole time we're there, like Kyle had this thing that he would say is like, I already feel sorry for my future self who does not get this food <laughs> because it's so good. And it's so cheap. Like we would 
eat like feast for a family of five and then have leftovers and the bill would be like 10 bucks. It was great. Oh my gosh. I know. I don't remember that. That's how I'll get my husband there. I think if I was traveling anywhere though, just in the idea of like places I am intimidated, like I'm waving a magic wand and it's paid for and it's easy and everything's worked out as Africa. I would really like to, I've been to Africa. I've been to Tunisia, but I'd like to go, um, to South Africa and maybe like on a safari, but that process is like so expensive and so intimidating to me. So if I'm waving sure. a magic wand, that's probably where I would go. I, I think that is surprising. To, that was surprising to me on our trip, how expensive Africa was. I mean, I, it's not that I didn't know that, but going there, you know, of course we're, when I say Africa, it's the large, it's a huge continent right. and it's, I think 54 countries, is it 53 or 54? So it's the most countries of any continent. And so we're talking super diverse. So, yeah. I was really, first of all, that was a huge lesson for me, but I was really surprised by how expensive Kenya is and Ethiopia and Zimbabwe. Oh my gosh, so expensive. And to me, that was just eye-opening. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean. It's just so hard. It's huge. It's hard to get around. Like, mm -hmm. to get to anywhere is like such an ordeal. I mean, Tunisia was actually pretty reasonable and, but it's a totally different experience. It's a, it's a Muslim country. I mean, it's more like, you know, Middle Eastern than I would think. Yes, Africa in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And we loved it. And I, it was an, an incredible trip. But it's also compact. Like we were able to do like the Saharan Desert and Roman ruins and walled cities, like all in this like tight little country, as opposed to, you know, traveling huge swaths to get one experience to the next. Mm -hmm. It is massively huge. But honestly, it's worth it. Um, like places like Kenya, some of my favorite in the world, because first of all, the people are so friendly, like the nicest people in the world are there, but it is just such an interesting, cool climate. Like the animals, you don't see them anywhere else in the world than right there. It was, it's such a phenomenal thing, but it is super expensive. Like the safari we did was a super fast one and we got a, a huge discount just because of a friend's connection. And it was still like, Oh my gosh, this is so much money. So yeah, yeah save up your pennies, but it's worth it. All right. Last question is if you could learn to do anything, what would it be? Oh, that's a really uh, hard one. Sarah, you I have think to go speak first another, I think speak another language. Like again, if I'm just waving a magic wand and I can, and all of a sudden I know how to do that. Um, I took French in high school. I could be persuaded to pick French. I'd also like to be able to speak Spanish or Chinese. Yeah, just speak another language. Those are good ones to learn. I mean, talking about global citizen. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. All right. I think I would learn how to do computer programming because I Ooh. feel like that's sort of a language of the future, too. And it's something I I got really geeked out on uh, FISA surveillance last week as I was getting ready for our shows. And as I thought more about cybersecurity and just sort of where the world is headed, I, I wish that that were all more accessible to me. That's a great answer. And I would have not thought of that. But now I'm. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, ladies, this was fun. This was awesome. So good. All right. So you guys have your fun sign off. Do you want to do it? Sure. Thank you <laughs> so much to Tish for joining us. We had such a great time. And until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. We will be back with you on Friday. Dante is going to join me for that episode, and I'm hoping to be able to talk with a couple of our listeners in between now and then as well. To be honest with you, I'm a little bit happy to have some space to digest some of the breaking news that's coming in as I'm recording. We're just learning about allegations that Susan Rice asked for Trump administration officials to be unmasked for national security purposes. We're learning about the Washington Post breaking 
making allegations concerning Betsy DeVos's brother setting up a back channel to Russia, allegedly. And I think a lot of those stories are being reported at such a breakneck speed that we don't have enough context yet to do them justice. So hopefully by Friday's episode, we will know more. We'll also talk about the Gorsuch confirmation and get into some of the regulatory actions that were taken last week, along with Congress's passage of laws that permit internet service providers to sell users information. So no shortage of topics to discuss. We'll have a packed episode for you on Friday. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Thank you to our producer, Nicholas Holland, and to our chief creative officer, Dante Lima, for all the work they do to make Pantsu Politics possible, and to all of you for making this community so special. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pantsu Politics, or Instagram at Pantsu Politics. Please leave us your feedback and send us your ideas for show topics and Pantsu Primers on social media, or you can email us at sarah at or beth at Pantsu.